0: Welcome to another episode of Bothell Amplified. I'm Mackenzie Britton, producer for the podcast and your temporary host while Pastor Joe is on vacation. Our first episode of September reunites us with Reverend Dave Orendorf, former associate pastor of Bothell UMC. As our summer sermon series, Becoming Christ in the Community, comes to an end, Reverend Dave shares his thoughts on Matthew chapter 16, verses 21 through 28. Check it out now on Baffle Amplified.
1: From that time on. Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and undergo great suffering at the hands of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed, and on the third day be raised. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God, forbid it, Lord. This must never happen to you. But Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me. For you are set in your mind not on divine things but on human things. Then Jesus told his disciples if any wish to come after me let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it and those who lose their life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit them If they gain the whole world, but forfeit their life, what will they give in return for their life? For the Son of Man is to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay everyone for what has been done. Truly, I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Holy words for God's people.
0: All right, sometimes life gives us difficult choices. I'm not talking about where to go for dinner or whether to buy a new car, though those can be significant. I'm talking about the choices that feel risky, the choices that feel scary, the choices that are... Going to impact who we are tomorrow and the next day and for our lives. The choice of a school, a choice of a partner, the choice of a uh, long term relationship with that partner, or a divorce from someone you've loved. A choice of taking a certain job, or the choice of leaving a certain job. Choice of being a parent, choice of helping a stranger on the road, a choice of identity, the choice of speaking truth to power, or to a mob, or to an angry relative, the choice of defending and caring for the trodden, the broken, the outcast. The choice of risking it all for a just cause. Choices that once made cannot be undone. Choices that shape our lives. So at this point, I'm working on the sermon, and I apologize to you, I cannot resist singing from a favorite musical. So you're going to have to endure with me. The Man of La Mancha. It is the Kelly Walsh High School class song, 1967. My class, my song. Now, if you can't resist with me, then I'm hoping you'll sing along with me because that would probably be better for all of us. (laughs) So to dream an impossible dream. You ready? Okay, who's going to sing with me? Come on, come on, all right. words, I think we got, yeah, we got the words. Here we go. I hope it's the right key. To dream the impossible dream, to fight the unbeatable foe, to bear with unbearable sorrow, and to run where the brave dare not go, to right the unrightable wrong, And to love pure and chaste from afar To try when your arms are too weary To reach the unreachable star (laughs) That was good This is my quest To follow that star No matter how hopeless No matter how far to fight for the right without question or pause To be willing to march, march into hell for a heavenly cause And I'll know if I'll only be true to this glorious quest At my heart will I peaceful and calm Better for this that one man scorned and covered with scars still strove with his last ounce of courage to Now I quit singing because I can never get that last part right. (laughs) And then there's this kind of musical interlude, and it finishes, and I'll always dream the impossible dream, yes, and I'll reach the unreachable star. I was trying to get that last part right, so I went and listened to Josh Grogan, and that made me feel depressed. And he said, if you get a chance, go listen to his. It's on one of his albums, Impossible Dream. He also has a song on their River. I don't know if you know that one or not. I didn't. Wow. That great song. I was tempted to use Jogen instead, Grogan instead of me, but that. Well, I wanted you to sing with me. <laughs> that was more important to me. In the musical, Don Quixote is a man who wants to take on the causes of the poor and the downtrodden, but ends up tilting at windmills, taking on delusional and impossible causes. Jesus has made such an impossible choice. He's chosen to go to Jerusalem, the heart of his nation and the heart of his faith, and there proclaim the gospel of forgiveness, of reconciliation, of healing. Of a loving God and of an all inclusive God. He knows that the message and vision he brings will be rejected by those in power. But the vision of God as loving kindness has so gripped his soul that he cannot do other than go. He suspects that he will be tortured, as most prophets are when they proclaim justice and love and probably condemned by the leaders of his faith but he will go anyway he knows that the roman civil authorities will likely hand him over to their soldiers who will following orders as good soldiers do torture him and then crucify him but still he goes Peter does not approve of Jesus' choice to go to Jerusalem and rebukes him. The Greek says reprimand, censors, reproves. It's a very strong denial of Jesus and of his call to preach the God of love in Jerusalem. On the first reading, I was on the side of Peter. Why would Jesus abandon me and his disciples in a hopeless and fatal trip to Jerusalem? And I find Jesus' response to Peter to be harsh. Imagine it this way. I say to you, I have a message for the people. Those in power will hate my message because it challenges their power, their control. It challenges their wealth. I will likely be tortured and murdered as have been the prophets before me. But I must go. And you say to me, I don't want you to suffer and die. Don't don't go. And then you call on God to forbid my going. And I say to you, Satan, get out of my sight. Harsh, right? Why would Jesus call Peter Satan? Why would Jesus tell Peter, one of his best friends and one of his first disciples, Go away. Leave me. Well, let's back up a couple of millennia. In the day and place of our gospel writer, Satan represented everything that was opposed to God. Satan was responsible for human misery. Satan was responsible for sin. There are even sayings in the gospels about the kingdom of Satan or the kingdom of Beelzebub that placed it in opposition to the kingdom of God. See what? Mark 3, Matthew 12, Luke 11. It was a clear, uncompromising way of thinking. You were either on God's side in the war between good and evil, between God and the Roman emperor, between fear and loving kindness, or you were on Satan's side. What Jesus hears from Peter is not concern for Jesus, but Peter's fear for himself, for what he will lose when Jesus goes to Jerusalem. Peter doesn't hear Jesus' compelling vision of God's love, that must, that demands to be preached. Peter hears that Jesus will suffer, that Jesus will die, leaving Peter without his master. And his friend. Peter doesn't want to any more than we would lose Jesus from his life. Peter is thinking of Peter's loss and not the world's gain. Jesus is proclaiming a vision of self sacrificing love for the well being of all. Peter is responding in self serving fear. It might surprise you that the earliest Christians didn't call themselves Christian. Six times in the book of Acts, they are identified as the people of the way. One of our earliest Christian documents, written at the same time of the gospel, sometime between 50 and 120, is the didache. It didn't make the canon. Didache means 12, literally. The book is also called The Lord's Teaching Through the Twelve Apostles to the Nations, which is why they call it the didache. It is the earliest catechism, the earliest instruction on what it means to be a person of the way. The didache opens with this wisdom. There are two ways, one of life and one of death, that there is a great difference between the two ways. The way of life, then, is this. First, you shall love God who made you. Second, love your neighbor as yourself. And do not do to another what you would not want done to you. That sound familiar? What is translated here as love is agape, of course, which is loving kindness for the well-being of God, neighbor, and self. That's the way of life. When the Dadake speaks of the second way, the way of death, it says this. And the way of death is this. First of all, it is evil and accursed, colon, murders, adultery, bust, fornication, thefts, idolatries, rape, false witness, hypocrisy, double-heartedness, deceit, haughtiness, depravity, self-will, greediness, filthy talking, jealousy, overconfidence, loftiness, boastfulness, persecutors of the good, hating truth, loving a lie, and I'm about halfway through the list and I quit. (laughs) The people of the way of life, the way of Jesus, choose loving kindness for all. The people of the way of death, the way of Satan, choose what serves them without regard to the consequences for others. In all that list, it was self-centered actions that hurt others Jesus is offering his life and loving kindness for the well-being of the world the way of life Peter is thinking of himself which is the way of death the way of Satan so what do we choose will we choose the way of life or will we choose the way of death have we been captured by Jesus' vision of loving kindness for neighbor, God, self or are we afraid of what we might lose if we actually followed Jesus? If we actually acted as best we can in loving kindness. Is it my well-being that matters? Or is it our well-being we choose to serve? Do we choose the kingdom of God or the kingdom of Satan, the kingdom of me, Our time, culture, and place teaches, encourages, and celebrates the kingdom of me. But those who have heard and been captured by the vision that captured Jesus are called to the kingdom of God. We are called to be people who follow the way of life, the way of Jesus, to be those who teach and encourage and celebrate the way of loving kindness. In a few moments, we will share in a common meal, the meal of communion with God, with Jesus, with each other, with the Holy Spirit. Here's a meal of the friends of Jesus. In introducing this meal, Jesus invites us to remember him, to remember his teaching, to remember his life, to remember The healing he offered, to remember his sacrifice in Jerusalem, to remember his rising into our lives, to remember his vision, to remember his love. We're also invited to remember that we can be afraid, just as Peter was. We're not a gathering of those perfect in loving kindness in the way of life. In our fear, we can be selfish. We can be hurtful, wrong headed, angry, spiteful, and you fill in the blank. To come to this table is a confession that indeed we are imperfect people. We're broken. By coming to this t- meal we acknowledge our need for God's loving kindness in our lives, for God's forgiveness as well as the forgiveness of those around us. But coming to this table is also our acceptance of God's forgiving grace. We bring our brokenness. The Spirit offers us holiness, wholeness, healing. Unlike Peter's initial reaction, we accept God's love as a gift, Jesus' death as a gift that leads us the kingdom of God, not just for ourselves, but for our world. At the table we accept God's forgiveness that sets us free from our failures so that we might more perfectly be loving kindness in our lives. And further by accepting forgiveness we offer forgiveness to those who have failed us and fail us to our world This meal is a meal to accept and to offer the healing of forgiveness. There is much grace in this meal together, not just for the people of the way, but for all people, for all creation. By sharing in the bread and the cup, by sharing with each other and remembering the loving kindness of Jesus, the loving kindness of the Spirit, the loving kindness that imbues our lives in people, and the beauty of creation, and the wonder of breathing and being, in offering confession and acceptance of forgiveness, we are opened, and we open ourselves to the power of the Holy Spirit, that it might dwell within us, that it might teach us and heal us, and make us the people we are meant to be. This meal is a sacred moment. A thin place of power. Meant for each of us and for all of us. In this meal, we are offered transformation as individuals and as community that we might be more perfect people of the way, that our loving kindness might be a healing force for all. This meal is offered to all who are hungry. No one is excluded. This meal is offered to all who would seek to love in the way of Jesus. There are no prerequisites, no requirements to come and be loved by God, to come to choose the way of life. Those who come choose and are chosen by the kingdom of God. To be the healing love of Christ in our community. May it be so. Shalom. Amen.